Welcome to My Waking Nightmare, the best place to stay informed on your latest Lawrence of Arabia news. My name's Colton Jacobson, and today we're staying informed. episode I'm going to be introducing a new segment that I'm dubbing Lawrence News. I know it's not a very exciting title, but hopefully in post I put some cool sound effects on top of it, and if I didn't do it there, I should probably do it here when I say it again. Welcome to the first ever edition of Lawrence News. This segment is very self-explanatory. I go to Google News and we find out what people have been talking about in regards to Lawrence of Arabia. So when I search it up, the first thing I'm seeing here is uh, actually a couple of articles I'm seeing the same thing. It is about an RAF plate that was owned by Lawrence of Arabia. So let's read more about that. I'm only going to be reading through one of these articles because I'm assuming most of them have the same information. This first article is from BBC.com, and it's titled Lawrence of Arabia RAF Plate Sells at Auction in Dorset. A plate believed to have been owned and used by T.E. Lawrence, immortalized as Lawrence of Arabia, has sold at auction for £1,100. The pottery plate with an RAF insignia and label linking it to the legendary officer, writer, and diplomat was found during a house clearance in Dorset. It was sold to a private buyer in London. Charterhouse auctioneers said items linked to Lawrence were incredibly rare. Auctioneer Richard Brommel said the 24cm diameter plate was found with a brown paper label stuck to it saying, This plate was the property of T.E. Lawrence during his service with the RAF from August 1922 to 1933, died May 19, 1935. It appears to have been given to a school in Sussex in the 1950s. The school was owned by the family whose cottage was being cleared. Mr. Brommel said personal items connected to Lawrence were unusual as he led a modest life at Clouds Hill, his small cottage near Wareham, Dorset. I think in this case the label could be quite possibly a genuine reference to T.E. Lawrence owning the plate as it just looks and feels right. Okay, taking a break from the article for a moment, I would like to question that sentence. I think in this case the label could be quite possibly a genuine reference to T.E. Lawrence owning the plate as it just looks and feels right. Is that how they determine authenticity in England? Because it's not very official sounding. Lawrence served as an officer during World War I and later joined the Foreign Office. In 1922, he retreated from public life and joined the RAF under a pseudonym. 
This is information that I found out while reading the top 10 things you might not have known about Lawrence of Arabia list a couple episodes back. He's fatally injured in 1935 while riding his Brow Superior SS100 motorcycle close to his home. His wartime exploits were later immortalized in the 1962 film epic Lawrence of Arabia. That's, that's our thing. So that's how it connects to all of this. It's the same guy, in case you were wondering how this all connects. Well, that was a pretty short article, but that's okay. Um, it's interesting that this plate was found, when was this? 12 hours ago, the plate sells at auction. So, I'm going to be honest, I didn't expect Lawrence of Arabia news as recent as 12 hours ago. I was thinking we were probably going to get stuff from a couple years ago as the most recent, but I guess it's pretty talked about. Let's move on to the next article. From HollywoodReporter.com, the title of this next article is John Aldred, Soundman on Lawrence of Arabia and Dr. Strangelove Dies at 99. That is unfortunate. This article was posted January 22nd, 2021, so that's a couple weeks back now at this point. The two-time Oscar nominee also worked on The Four Feathers, Hitchcock's Under Capricorn, and Chaplin's A King in New York. John Aldred, the two-time Oscar-nominated British soundman who collaborated with Alfred Hitchcock, Charlie Chaplin, David Lean, and Stanley Kubrick across a 50-year career, has died. He was 99. Aldred died December 15th in a hospital in Worthing, England, after a short illness, his family announced. December 15th. Hang on. This article was written January 22nd, so that was over a month, over a month later, so I don't fully understand why this wasn't written earlier, but that's okay. When he was first starting out, Aldred contributed to such films as The Four Feathers, 1939, produced by Alexander Korda, The Thief of Baghdad, 1940, co-directed by Michael Powell, In Which We Serve, 1942, co-directed by Lean, and The Way Ahead, 1944, helmed by Carol Reed. I'm always interested to read things about David Lean and stuff that he worked on, because he did such a good job with Lawrence of Arabia. I'd be interested to see some of his other movies, because as far as I'm aware, I've never seen any of his other works. Skipping through to the parts that we care about, no offense to you, Aldred, I, I'm sad that you're dead, but... I don't care about Hitchcock's Under Capricorn or Chaplin's A King in New York. So, Aldred served on Lean's Lawrence of Arabia and did dubbing work on there. He helped record the sound of the motorcycle ridden by Peter O'Toole at the start of that film. Okay. Um, unfortunately, that is one of my least favorite parts of the movie, is the sound of the motorcycle written by Peter O'Toole at the start of the film. Sorry, Aldred. Um, we're gonna move on. It's unfortunate that you're dead, but... I'm less sad than I thought I would be. I didn't personally know him. And we're gonna leave it at that. The next article is from the Star Tribune, and it is titled, Another Coronavirus Mutation Movie Going. Okay, that seems like it would ever so loosely be connected to Lawrence of Arabia. 
Some memorable mid-century movies touted an opening credits logo that read, Filmed in Panavision. It signified cinema that was big, literally in its visual experience, using Super Panavision's 70 cameras, but also figuratively in its themes with films like Lawrence of Arabia in 2001, A Space Odyssey among the classics carrying the label. A filmed in pandemic vision logo will never be similarly displayed. For one thing, cinemas are shuttered and production has plummeted as COVID constricts close together viewing and close up scenes alike, and also because the coronavirus crisis has had such a significant impact on the cultural and commercial aspects of film. Is that the only mention? This is a pretty long article. Is that the only time we get Lawrence of a. Let me type Lawrence. Yeah, it's in the article once. Um, okay. So they kind of clickbaited me on that one, I guess. Not really anything to do with what we were talking about. Maybe we should go back to the Aldred obituary, or whatever that was. At least that was relevant to a guy that worked on the film. We're going to move on to the next article well we're going to skip a couple here because there's a couple more articles about that plate that we found which weirdly is still the most relevant thing out of everything that i've read so far but i digress the next article is from advrider.com and it is titled peak nostalgia to honor a moto pioneer brow superior releases a motorcycle now i have my doubts that this is really going to be about te lawrence all that much as well but uh the brow superior if i remember correctly is the motorcycle that te lawrence was riding at the beginning of the film when he died so that is probably the connection that we're going to get here once again, that tidbit of information I gained from the top 10 things you might not have known about Lawrence of Arabia list that we read through. Have we reached the peak of the zombie brand craze? Or maybe this is a new low. Either way, we've got the new Burt Levac special edition bike from Brow Superior. Brow Superior, as it originally existed from 1919 through 1940, was one of the world's most respected motorcycle manufacturers. Founded by George Brow, the company built fast, luxurious machines that earned the company the nickname the Rolls-Royce of Motorcycles. Brow Superior's most famous customer was probably T.E. Lawrence, a.k.a. Lawrence of Arabia, who met his untimely end aboard one of the company's bikes, as I said. Um, and that's probably what we're getting. As far as Lawrence on this, I... I don't know why I thought this, realistically, this is what I should have expected about Lawrence of Arabia news. I guess is everyone just talking about Lawrence of Arabia as a passing sentence and not going in depth about the movie at all. But for some reason, I thought I would find news articles from like eight years ago about the movie or something along those lines. It's not too late. We still might be able to, but so far I've been a little disappointed. Oh, here we go. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia, Brow Superior Then and Now. It's a related article on advrider.com, so let's actually click on that and see where that takes us. Okay, it brought us to another article. This article was written a little less than a year ago, so it's still relatively new. It is not every motorcycle mark that can claim as its most famous customer a man who died while riding its product. 
On a rainy Sunday morning in May of 1935, Colonel Thomas Edward Lawrence swerved his Brow Superior SS-100 motorcycle to miss two boys on bicycles and crashed, suffering severe head injuries to which he succumbed six days later. His death served as a major impetus to the creation of effective crash helmets, which is another story. That's a story I would actually like to read about. I've heard a couple things about that, but I'd like to go in depth at some point and learn about that. That would be nice. Quite apart from cementing the hagiography of Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, let me read that again. His death served as a major impetus to the creation of effective crash helmets, quite apart from cementing the hagiography of Lawrence of Arabia. But there is some confusion about the bike or bikes involved. He owned eight brow superiors, although supposedly the eighth was still being assembled at the factory in Nottingham when he crashed to the seventh, George the Sixth. Why was the seventh bike called the sixth? I was actually just going to ask that. Simply because Lawrence had named his first brow Boenerges, a name derived from the Amaric to mean the Thunderer. To cater to his modest height of five foot five inches, he had the tank of George VI modified so it could accommodate a lowered seat and a bespoke lifting handle which the factory had fitted at his request. A story in the British newspaper, The Telegraph, which really should have known better, also noted that, with a nod to his duty as an enlisted aircraftsman, read his story, it is fascinating. I guess another thing I need to read going forward. With a nod to his duty as an enlisted aircraftman serving at RAF Mount Batten near Plymouth, he also requested that a small receptacle be clamped to the near side lower section of the front forks to secure the tip of his military swagger stick. Enlisted aircraftman John Hume Ross with a swagger stick? I don't think so. He would, however, have been entitled to a swagger stick in his other persona as Colonel Lawrence CBDSO. The Telegraph also insists, with perhaps more credibility, that the motorcycle on which Lawrence suffered his fatal crash was not George VI. Was it George VII, supposedly still being assembled in Nottingham? I am sorry to say that I do not know. That's interesting that they don't know what bike it was that he crashed on. Before I continue on this article, I'd like to quickly just say, I'm loving it. This is, I think, my favorite thing that I've read so far, and it's about his bike. So I don't know, I don't know how that's the most interesting thing. I thought for sure the plate was going to be more interesting. It's noteworthy that this machine's registration number of UL656 was incorrectly displayed on the film prop that actor Peter O'Toole wrote at the beginning of David Lean's 1962 biopic, Lawrence of Arabia, the newspaper said. That should have been GW2275, corresponding to the updated SS100 model for which George VI was part exchanged in March 1932 and upon which Lawrence sustained fatal injuries three years later, aged 46. Colonel Lawrence died less than 90 years ago, and already we can't agree on the facts. What we can agree on is that Brow Superior is back. Okay, now it's kind of turning into an ad. But I will have to make it a point the next time I watch the movie to look at the registration number. Hmm. Paul de Orleans. One of my favorite commentators on matters... Not mine, the article. This is not... Colton Jacobson, this is not my opinion. One of my favorite commentators on matters of classic bikes, writing in the Motorcycle Arts Foundation production The Vintagent about George Brow, notes that the renown of the Brow Superior is a reflection of several qualities George possessed in abundance. He was a superb rider, one of the best motorcycle stylists in the history of the industry, and equally important, he was simply a genius at PR. I'm going to skip through this article and see if we talk about Lawrence anymore. 
because frankly, I'm going to be honest with you, I do not care about the history of the bike otherwise. No, that's it for that one. So let's move on to the next article. The next article comes from and is titled Not even sure I could take a guess on how this connects to Lawrence at all. Oxnard, the Tri-County Century, had an all-inclusive Zoom meeting with Oxnard City Manager Alex Wynn January 29th to discuss topics that affect how the city operates. Wynn passionately speaks about plenty of issues that the city faces. Um, I'm going to do a control find on this one quick. I'm not reading this article. Oh, yeah, it's a good thing I did that. We are over halfway through the article before we get to our first mention here. What's worse than that is that you have to commit the agenda to memory to follow it, Wynn said. It's kind of like the old days when you had an intermission at movies. Can you imagine coming into... T- Hang on. This isn't this isn't my error in reading ability that caused me to screw this up. I'm going to read it as it's written. Can you imagine coming into to see Lawrence of Arabia after the intermission. What this has done is scatter the information so it's not more transparent. It is scattered transparency at best and made the decision-making process completely disjointed in terms of the public viewing. Is that the only... Oh, there's another... There's a, there's a second mention in the movie. Uh, four more paragraphs down. I don't see how anyone watching could understand the conversation 100%, he said. When we get to the council workshop for priorities, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be like walking into Lawrence of Arabia after intermission. It's such an important discussion. I am going to do my best to frame the discussion in a way that the public will understand what we're doing. Okay. I'm not really understanding. I mean, of course, I'm skipping a lot of the articles, so I'm not getting the context of it. But I'm not really understanding why I think the only reason they're mentioning Lawrence of Arabia is because it's an old movie with an intermission. They both mentioned it, or it's mentioned in here twice. And it does have an intermission. love the intermission because it gives me a break from the movie but there's no reason yeah as far as i can tell that's the only thing they're talking about this is another clickbait one that was not important i hate that they're trying to get me specifically because i'm the only person that would look up lawrence of arabia in the news and see what i can find we're gonna move on to another article here but before i do i just want to make a note to myself in post uh, that last article made me mad enough where I would like you to, if you could, bleep out the name of the website because I don't even want that website's name to be heard ever. It's not worth it. Moving on, the next one is from swordstoday.ie and it is titled Mealtime, Tour de France of Law in Arabia. Written February 2nd, 2021. So this is another recent one. And it opens up with a picture of T.E. Lawrence. So 
Hopefully we can get some connection here. In 1908, a Welshman made the Tour de France in its own way. In 1908, a Welshman made the Tour de France in its own way. There's a, there's a period after that. In its own way. Three, four thousand kilometers, July 16 to September 15, minimum 150, maximum 250 kilometers, six days a week. Okay, didn't really understand that paragraph, but we'll keep reading. He was born in Tremadog, Thomas Edward Lawrence. The first two names, the third surname, were not even his surname. But everyone, and of course everyone, knows him as Lawrence of Arabia. I'm really trying with this article, because it seems like it's talking about Lawrence, but it also sounds like, no offense to you, Kelvin Andrus, it was written by a six-year-old. So I'm going to try to read this again. I'm going to go a little bit slower and see if we can understand it. He was born in Tremadog, Thomas Edward Lawrence. The first two names, the third surname, were not even his surname. But everyone, and of course everyone, knows him as Lawrence of Arabia. Ted, in the family they simply called him, was short and thin, with light skin and beautiful hair. And when he grew up, he would have been short and five feet sixty-three. Five feet sixty-three. Okay. At the same time... The fire of curiosity, adventure, and perhaps even revenge shone inside him. My father was familiar with cycling and introduced me to cycling. Seems irrelevant, but okay. Sir Thomas seems to have enjoyed the pleasure of touring and escaping family troubles. Four daughters from his wife, five children of a partner and jumping on a bike and pedaling nearby, first in Tremadog, and then after this move in Oxford. Ted was affected by the same passion he had when he was alone or when he was alone. I'm sorry. Ted was affected by the same passion he had when he was alone or when he was alone. He only participated in the Tour de France when he was 19 years old. We're getting, uh, I'm getting nothing from this. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not garnering any information from this. It's hard enough to read, let alone understand. Bike Amoris Nayfield's first whistleblower was William Richard Morris, a handicraftsman, but later a mechanic, repairman, and entrepreneur and founder of the Morris Car Company. It was a seven and a half kilo touring bike hung with bags full of books and clothes for a trip that would last a few months. The beginning of the cycle journey was dramatic. Ted got lost. Now, is Ted, is, is Ted Lawrence? I'm, I think Ted is Lawrence. I've never heard him referred to as Ted before, besides this article, which once again sounds like it was written by a child. Um, I'm just assuming Ted is Lawrence. Ted got lost. He arrived at Portsmouth Harbor on time and had to take a train to board a ship bound for France. He landed in Le Havre 
and finally started paddling. It was July 16, 1908. Stages from Monday to Saturday, 100 to 150 miles a day. We're changing measuring systems now. We were using kilometers earlier, but now we're in miles. Handlebars and sandals, evening pens and paper for notes and letters, and sites visited on Sunday are historically dedicated to art. The aim was to visit the castles and animals to study the history and archaeology of Jesus College, Oxford, and to gather information for a paper entitled The Impact of the Crusades on the Military Architecture of the Franks in Europe and the Near East. I feel committed to reading the rest of this article now. We've only got one more paragraph. We can we can fight through it. In the remake of Daily Telegraph, journalist and sports historian Brendan Gallagher, Lawrence traveled at least... So, if you're going to call him Ted, call him Ted. If you're going to call him Lawrence, that's fine, but you have to decide. You can't keep switching names. You can't keep switching measuring systems. You have to decide. Where are you from, and what are you going to say? Lawrence traveled at least 3,275 miles, but maybe more because this was my calculation using the shortest way according to Google Maps hints. That's in quotes. But maybe more because this was my calculation using the shortest way according to Google Maps hints. Is that a quote? That's a quote I'm assuming from the author of the article. It doesn't say who it's a quote from. The way it's written makes it sound like it's a quote from Lawrence, but I highly doubt he was using Google Maps hints, whatever that is. I know Google Maps. I don't know, didn't know they had a hints section. I'm not trying to roast the author of this, but it just doesn't make any sense. Seven weeks on the road, the roads were not bad, but dirt roads, tracks, and sidewalks. Suspicious resistance, despite minor physical condition. Through the zigzag path between one site and another, the capture of the Puy de Dome in Massif Central, still undiscovered at the time, would have dared to face the Tour de France only 44 years later. Live, cheap, everything, seven francs a day, bread, water, milk, and fruit are often stolen from the field. The pedal story of Lawrence's Arabia appears in my newborn book, The Most Beautiful Destination in History, Baldini plus Castoldi, 208 pages, 16 euros. So this entire article was an ad. Dedicated to rugby in Wales. All Welsh people are associated with rugby, even Lawrence of Arabia. I think we should take the information that is coming out of this article with a fine, fine grain of salt, because I don't know that I trust anything that's happening here, but we'll continue anyway. Peter O'Toole of Lawrence of Arabia in the 1962 film and Richard Harris, the Irishman who called the horse out of the 1970 film, are in the audience for the 2000 Heineken Cup of Twickenham, the rugby stadium in London. At the end of the final match, they stepped onto the pitch and imitated a set kick. Lawrence slash O'Toole's ball bounced over the crossbar and between the goalposts. A success. And that is the rest of the article. That's it. And this guy looks older than six. His bio says travel fan, freelance analyst, proud problem solver, infuriatingly humble zombie junkie. It sounds like it's possible 
this man does not speak English as his first language, and by God, I hope that's the case. If that is the case, it is not the worst article. Still doesn't really make any sense, but of course, you know, translations are going to ruin it a little bit, but even if it grammatically made sense, it doesn't really give me any information that I can gather from it. Sorry that I read through the entire thing on that, but I'm not cutting it out of the podcast. So you're just going to have to suffer through it like I did. It's only fair. If anyone has any further information on what I was supposed to understand from that last article, you can send me an email at my newly set up email address, idreamoflawrence at gmail.com, where in exactly about one month, give or take pretty precisely, I'm going to be reading through the spam emails that I have received, so stay tuned for that. And with that, I'm going to leave you until next week. My name is Colton Jacobson, and I've watched Lawrence of Arabia eight times, giving me 3,616 days to watch it 993 more times.